This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Cinematographer Halna Hutchins was killed on the set of a film after actor Alec Baldwin fired a prop gun last week while rehearsing a scene. The shooting also injured director Joel Souza. Baldwin had been handed a gun that he was reportedly told did not contain rounds. Just hours before the incident, about six crew members had reportedly walked off the set in protest of long hours and poor housing and were replaced by a new camera crew. Later, Chief Electrician Serge Svetnoy wrote an emotional Facebook post detailing how Hutchins died in his arms and that the accident was the result of, quote, negligence and unprofessionalism. The incident, which has garnered headlines, came just as IATSE, the union representing 60,000 film and television crew members, had accepted a new labor contract that its members are expected to vote on. On-set crews have been fighting against grueling and unsafe working conditions. We turn now to Sarah Hughes, staff writer and organizer at Labor Notes. Her recent article is entitled Shocking Death on Set Shows What's at Stake in IATSE Film and TV Crew Contract Fight. Also with us is Faye Weichel, a first assistant camera and member of IATSE Local 600. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So let me start, uh, Faye, with you first. When you heard this news about what had happened on the set of the film Rust, did you immediately make the connection that this might have been linked to the fact that there were corners being cut? I mean, I I had to assume, uh, frankly. Um, the the moment we heard with a little bit of details, you know, I found out about it. Uh, Friday morning uh, when I woke up for work and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was immediately worried about it being an indie film. I mean, I've been on plenty of shoots where I flipped cars, I've blown things up. There's ways to do these things completely safely, you know, and something like this is not something that should have ever happened. It's not. And there's so many checks and balances to catch these things, you know. The Los uh, Angeles Times on Tuesday, I don't know if you saw this, Pete, the LA Times on Tuesday had a uh, a profile of a person who was touted or, or who had been sort of recruited to potentially take the job of handling guns. And after he asked about budgeting, about staff, and realized that they were cutting corners, he refused the job and said that he wasn't at all surprised that this happened. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, not even as serious issues as gun safety, but there's been other jobs. I've turned down jobs because budget issues, obviously nowhere near as comparable to this. But it's it's all so avoidable and there's no reason for it. You know, it's, there are, Yes, cutting corners, independent films. I've you know been on them. We understand how that works, but there are things you can cut corners on. There are things, and there are things you can't. And safety is just one of those things you can't. And I mean, it goes to show the union crew walked off, citing these unsafe conditions, and then they bring in a non-union crew who aren't following this. Um, and I mean, the worst thing about this tragedy is that every thing that comes out it's kind of the worst way it could have been Hmm. the worst thing the worst version 
Sarah, I want to turn to you. You wrote a piece in Labor Notes detailing this contract fight with IATSE, this union representing 60,000 approximately film and television crew members like Faye. Uh, what were, what have crew members, what have uh, union members been asking for? What have their concerns been in working on the sets of these, you know, of these television and film crews that bring Americans, millions and millions of Americans, the shows we love to watch, the movies we love to go see, that obscures the conditions on the set. So what were the demands of workers? Absolutely. Um, and as Faye mentioned, you know, there's a huge range of different sets. You might have these sort of low budget in indies, you might have these Marvel movies, but what uh, connects a lot of these stories is these incredibly long hours, um, uh, sometimes dangerous conditions, and the ways in which long hours, stressful jobs, uh, being pushed for not only long hours, but, but weeks or months of those long hours, and the ways that that becomes a safety hazard in itself. Um, the way that, you know, exhausted driving, drowsy driving has led to deaths and accidents of, of a lot of IATSE members over the years. Um, you know, stories of people, um, you know, getting health, infections from not being able to use the bathroom throughout the day, people skipping meal breaks, um, people getting strokes and heart attacks from stress at, at young ages. These, these jobs take an incredible toll on people's bodies. And they're not treated that way. Um, and I understand so that a lot of the the production um, budgets, you know, that, that there are penalties for forcing people to miss meal breaks, for example. But the companies will would rather pay the penalties. But I mean, they could use that money to just hire more crew too, right? That's right. Or build in a longer shooting schedule. You know, it, there's no reason why those meal penalties couldn't just mean a, a 21 day shoot takes a week or two longer. Uh, it becomes clear that, like Faye referenced, that it's about these enormous companies squeezing people and cutting corners to try and maximize their profit. And that's what kind of connects this labor struggle with a lot of the others that we're seeing currently is that we have giant companies making huge profits at this time and uh, they're doing it at the, the lives and the safety and the health of the people who make it happen. And I want to get to the contract that's under consideration, but Faye, um, what did the pandemic do for workers' perceptions of their working conditions? We were seeing this sort of in the labor movement at large, where there are workers in industries across the board who during the pandemic had time to reflect on the grueling work they were being made to do and the terrible pay that they were being forced to accept and now are being a lot choosier about the jobs that they might want to take. Is that a, a similar story that unfolded in the film and TV industry? Yeah, I think completely. Um, you know, a lot of us are, we, we came to this industry because we do love what we do um, and go from job to job to job. And never you know there's not it's not like being a teacher where you have you know the summer off or anything you would just keep working keep working keep working especially now with the um all these streaming services the sort of traditional start in july and then you know early spring for broadcast television that's just we're shooting year round now it forced people to you know spend time at home rediscover hobbies you know spend time with their loved ones their family and realize that hey maybe i don't need to be working 80 hours weeks, you know, and trying to fill in as many days as possible and missing weekend events or, you know, these sort of family things. And, 
The other thing I also think is true is that when we came back from the pandemic, one of the things they did was they had epidemiologists look at um, our working conditions. And one of the things they said was after 10 hours, your body's going to be, it's going to be harder to fight off infection. This is, you know, obviously pre-vaccine and everything. And in the beginning, we did actually not shoot as long. It was a lot more to 10 hours. I was really optimistic. And then about two months in, that was utterly out the window and it was back to normal. And now with this sort of deluge of like, well, not deluge, but the drought from not having production for those mountains, we were shut down. There's so much more and there's more streaming services. So they're just trying to get as much content as they can to fill their libraries. Right. There was a pretty big demand for streaming streaming services. A lot of these companies made a lot of money. People stuck at home, so they had more subscriptions to the streaming services. Um, you know, and, and I know that movie um, companies pivoted to online views rather than theatrical releases. And there's a lot of that sort of new media, old media transition that hasn't been captured in existing labor contracts. So Sarah, tell me about the contract that was offered and why there may be a conflict between the IATSE leadership and its members. Yeah, the so a tentative agreement was reached for the Hollywood Basic Agreement, which covers the uh, 13 Hollywood locals and a couple of the national locals like FaZe, Local 600. Um, and you know, they've, by the international leadership's um, you know, own press, they fought off some concessions um, around pension hours. Um, they you know, got 3% wage increases. They uh, got some contract language in around um, a 10 hour turnaround, you know, meaning that you should have 10 hours off work before you have to report again. Um, you know, there were certainly um, steady and, and incremental improvements in the, in the previous contract. What's interesting that is, I think, particular to the, uh, you know, 2021, our sort of post-pandemic, this sort of, you know, striketober feeling that we have is, um, you know, workers kind of understanding that both how much money is being made off of them, um, realizing that their, you know, their lives are not all wrapped up in work, like I was referencing, uh, and feeling like the international leadership didn't necessarily um, get as much as they could have, particularly because back in early October, we saw a 99% vote to authorize a strike. And so there was a mobilization that, you know, IATSE had not seen before in the Hollywood locals and, and across the country actually for um, related agreements. And so people really feeling like sharing their stories, um, you know, there was an Instagram account in which people posted these sort of harrowing stories of, of their lives. Um, and so it really, it agitated the membership in a way that hadn't been done at this scale before. And uh, when the leadership returned with this tentative agreement, people were felt, uh, felt like their concerns hadn't been reached and the sort of power that they had showed wasn't being utilized to get the best contract that they thought was possible. Mm -hmm. So the only way forward um, in some people's minds is to you know, veto that uh, ratification vote and, and ask the leadership to go back to the bargaining table. Um, the leadership is, is um, endorsing the tentative agreement as of now and the ratification vote has yet to be set. So uh, I understand that the Union, which is, um, you know, this, it's the IATC stands for the International Association of Theatrical Stage Employees, um, is one that has a long history. There's never been a strike. And 
And yet there's this feeling for this particular in moment, uh, and you wrote about this in your article, Sarah, that there was something like 90% on labor notes discovered at 90% um, turnout for a strike authorization vote. Um, is this, are, are, and are workers realizing that they actually have a lot more power over these companies than, than maybe they thought they did? What, what I think is really interesting, you know, with this sort of strike October feeling we're getting, um, you know, there have been waves of strikes in the past, but this one does feel different in a way that they're kind of all building off of each other in a way um, that hasn't been true in the past. Um, so, yes. So um, let's also talk about what it is that uh, may end up nixing this contract. There are, I understand, a few weeks for workers to union work, workers to vote on this contract. What will be deal breakers, Sarah? Do you think that uh, the the union membership is going to accept what its leadership has negotiated? So what's actually interesting is, uh, you know, the film and television industry is governed by a lot of different master agreements. In this case, the Hollywood Basic Agreement came to a tentative agreement. The area standards, which covers folks outside of New York and LA, is still being bargained. And uh, just earlier this week, uh, or maybe over the weekend, um, the International came out and said that they're actually going to wait to vote on those together. So just like those two, those actually 36 locals voted to strike together, again, with that 90% turnout, 99% voting yes. I mean, just incredible numbers for any union. Um, so they're actually going to wait until that other agreement has a tentative agreement and then we'll vote uh, together. So we actually have no idea when that vote is going to take place, but they said it would take place over a weekend when that does happen. Um, but they have laid out a four phase plan and we're in phase one. Um, so we don't actually know when that ratification vote is going to happen. So what's interesting about that is um, it does, you know, sort of the longer you get away from a strike vote, um, you know, traditional thought is that you sort of lose some of your power and inertia to go on strike. And so, you know, is the, is the IA losing some, um, you know, energy or momentum by delaying a ratification vote um, and sort of prolonging this process? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what effect that has on members. I have not seen anything like this before in covering other unions, working for other unions, um, you know, a, a process that would take so long between agreement and ratification. Um, so it will depend on, you know, I, I think the, uh, the unfortunate death in New Mexico has, um, you know, made, has raised the stakes for folks. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they are sort of handling that within their own unions and how the international is handling that. And we could see people either sort of be maybe lose energy uh, and momentum, or we could see people get increasingly sort of frustrated and angry um, that there's not being progress made. So I don't know what to do. Faye, do you have any reflections or thoughts on this contract specifically? I am still, I'm still waiting on, um, I want to read the uh, MOA, which will have the finer details. Um, but there, there is that question of, uh, could we have gotten more? Um, I'm still personally undecided. Um, but you know the other thing i think that's interesting is in terms of you know losing strength after the strike authorization vote at least from my end i mean i'm a little bit eye of the storm on it but i've only seen building from that and that's even before the tragedy that happened in new mexico um obviously that has galvanized a lot of people and energized and um you know gotten a lot 
people involved and speaking out, but it's, it is uncharted territory and it's so hard to sort of guess what's going to be coming next in these last crazy couple of months in IATSE has been really a whirlwind. And I'm wondering if you feel that enough Americans understand the labor that goes into making the shows that they watch. I mean, you know, there's it's one thing to think about, say, the abuse of labor at Walmart, where you may, you know, maybe you don't have a Walmart in your town, or maybe you say, I don't go shop at Walmart. But if, you know, a majority of Americans consume pop culture, we watch television, we watch movies, we you know, rely on this entertainment, and there's very little awareness, it seems, of the conditions under which these are being produced, would you agree? I completely, completely. Um, and I think it's, it's, been, it's been a sort of sea change that's started. I think, you know, really it sort of started with Me Too um, and now moving forward. I mean, you just had uh, Ruby Rose come out about the abusive and absolutely I, horrid conditions she had while she was working on Batwoman. Um, and you know, the, it's, and it's she's, a, she's a cast member. So her exactly. voice will get a lot more attention. And usually it's the work of the, those in front of the camera that, that, that does get attention is the ones behind the camera that get even less attention, but yeah. Right. And, and I think they're, you know, IA stories, the Instagram account, uh, Sarah was talking about has really let a lot of us sort of know that like people actually do care. You know, because there has been this sort of mentality of like, this is just what it is. And that's that. And that like, there's nothing you could do about it. And it's it's really interesting seeing it sort of hit the wider, um, you know, first with the IATSE uh, strike authorization vote, but then also even more so uh, after the tragedy in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Sarah, any last thoughts on this story and also give out the website for where people can read the analysis that you uh, cover on labor issues? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, something that interested me in this story was also the way that the sort of understanding about the the value of the labor of people who make our film and television, both, uh, you know, sort of from the inside uh, as IATSE members and also, you know, for those of us on the outside, I think has just echoed um, what we've seen in a lot of other industries that are also seeing this kind of labor unrest. And it's also kind of turned our attention to um, how our unions address this, how our unions address horrible working conditions. And I think we've seen that um, in, you know, stories around our healthcare workers around the COVID, around COVID and how, um, you know, unions are addressing that. And and you see a lot of healthcare strikes. Um, We saw this with John Deere and the way that, you know, uh, people voted down um, uh, you know, a UAW um, tentative agreement. Uh, we saw this in Carpenters in the Northwest. We covered all these stories in Labor Notes. And I think it has given people a renewed interest to looking at their, their unions, their structures, their contracts, their constitutions, and, um, you know, had people sort of thinking about, like, these are democratic organizations. What does that mean for me as a union member? Uh, what does that mean in terms of the sort of power and say that I have in my own organization? Um, and what does it mean when we organize together and, and what kind of changes can we make, you know, both within our unions and within our, our, um, our industries? Right. Certainly, there's a lot of uh, broader context around labor issues coming up. I want to thank both of you very much for joining us today. Uh, Sarah Hughes and Faye, really appreciate your time. Oh, yes. And please check us out at labornotes.org. We'll post a link to that as well. Good luck to both of you.
Thank you. My guest has been my guests have been Sarah Hughes, staff writer and organizer at Labor Notes. Uh, her recent article is called "Shocking Death on Set Shows What's at Stake in IATSE Film and TV Crew Contract Fight." Also with us, Faye Weishal, a first assistant camera and member of IATSE Local 600. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.